0: Man, isn't it great to know this is the day that the Lord has made? And guess what? Tomorrow is going to be a day that the Lord has made. What you need to do is carry the, same, carry the same joy that you have been expressing here with you wherever it is you might go tomorrow. Even if you have to go to work. Even if you have to go to your mother-in-law's. Even if uh, you have to go to um, the DMV, Right? Uh, Even if uh, you've got to go and, you know, settle up on some banking things, whatever it is, you just imagine the worst thing you can think about having to do tomorrow, guess what? It's still the day that the Lord has made, and we need to be able to rejoice. And we hope that by you being here today, we hope that what it does, it it gives you encouragement. We hope that it lifts you up so that you might be able to go and give worship to God tomorrow. We want you to be changed to spend here with us today. Because it is just, it's great to be God's ambassador, as, ambassador, as, as Kevin has just been talking about. Uh, we, we have a mission here that we are a part of. And we're trying to move people toward a life-restoring relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're trying to do that because, uh, let's just be honest, life oppresses. I mean, we just got to name that. Life oppresses. There are all these difficulties that drag us down. There are finances and relationships and anxiety about the future and decisions about raising children. We've got all the different things that just kind of the weight that we just feel on top of us. And then on top of that, sin entangles us because Satan knows just how to push every single one of our buttons. He knows just how to ignite our anger and our passions. And he knows exactly what we want. And so life oppresses and sin entangles, but God delivers. And that's the message that you find when you read through scripture. And it's why you hopefully have come here today to, to be reminded and to rejoice in the fact that we serve a delivering God. A God that delivers his people from all the things that oppress, from all those things that entangle us. And I don't know where you are in your life this morning, what position you find yourself in. But I guarantee you that some point in time, if not today, then this next week, there's going to be a period where you're going to need some deliverance. And not the banjo kind. Now we know how many people are old in the room, you know. Some of the young people are like, what? I don't understand. Never mind. All right. Uh, but I think we, if we're just honest with ourselves, we admit, you know what? There, there are just things that, there are things that don't always go right. And we need to be set free. It's why all summer long we're looking into our Old Testament, the lives of some of the individuals whom God delivered. We spent time looking at Abraham and Sarah, two infertile couples who, uh, they were not able to have children, at least they thought, until God stepped in and created a great nation. We looked at the life of a spoiled, spoiled boy and God continued to work, continued to work in, in his life. And, and later on, the Hebrews writer would, would use their story and others and say, you know what, these are individuals of great faithfulness. Now, he didn't call them individuals of great perfection. He said they were individuals of faith. And they were, they were defined not because that they were perfect, not because they had everything together, but because of the trust that they had in God. They were obedient to his call in their lives. And their example is meant to inspire us today to to strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily entraps us so that we can run with endurance the race that is marked out before us. And what we've been doing this summer, we've been looking at these Old Testament individuals and then we've been going off into different classes around our campus and we've been talking about this particular subject and we've been listening to how God has been delivering our own individual lives. We've been meeting people that we didn't even know were part of our church family. We have a church family here with over 1,000 who call this place home and it's difficult to get to know everybody. We're not all here on the same weekends at the same times. And many times we go to this, the same Bible classes year after year. And so this summer what we've done, we've kind of played fruit basket turnover. And we've mixed up all the different Bible classes. And I want to encourage you to go ahead and look on the back of your glory, praise, and honor. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're new to East Prainer or if you've been here a long time. On the back of the glory, praise, and honor, there's a list of the classes that you're going to have the opportunity to participate in today. Now, whatever classroom you went to last week, if you were here, most likely that's going to change because we like to make things difficult and we like to push people out of their comfort zone and we like to make you walk to different places around our campus so that you can meet different people who are a part of our church family. And so you will notice that we have names such as Seekers and Partners in Christ and Yak and Young Parents. Look, if you've never been in any of these classes, don't let these names um, intimidate or confuse you. These are just names that we have used around here for many years just to name some of the classes that we hold. If you're visiting with us, we want to invite you to go to our Family Life Center. It's our gym. You can exit out the back doors here, turn to your left, and there's going to be a class that will be taking place in there and it's going to be filled with our young parents it's also going to have our young adult and college kids that are going to be in there and we would love for you to join them as well other individuals of our church family if if you have been a part of our sun seekers or our partners in christ or our sunlight or our village You can look there and you can see where it is that you are going to be going today for your class. Now, for those of you who are part of our village and our partners in Christ and our ladies class, you're going to have the most fun this time. Last month, we had a different group that had all the fun. You guys are going to have the fun this time because you get to go to rooms 9 and 10 and then be split up again. And so you're like, where in the world do we need to go? Ladies, village, and partners in Christ. If you will go to our adult high, um, classroom area, our hallway, uh, you'll find different staff members who will be there directing traffic, and we'll make sure you get to where you need to go. Go in either room 9 or room 10 and sit down. And if you don't want to go there, just find somebody that you think is good looking and go with them, right? Go with them or find somebody that you would like to take to lunch, okay? And you go with them and take them to lunch and, and just enjoy getting to know somebody new from our church family. And just in time when you think that you've got all this figured out, we'll change it up one more time in August so that everyone is thoroughly confused about where in the world to go to talk about being surrounded by such a great cloud of, of witnesses. And oh, while, I, while I'm telling you where you're going to go this week, I need to tell you that we're not even going to have any classes next week. We're going to spend our class time milling around in here and outside on the front steps and in our lobby area. And we're just going to spend time just talking, and getting to know one another and catching up. Uh, again, we don't always have an opportunity to truly spend time in deep conversation with one another. And so we're going to allow that opportunity next week. We're going to encourage that. While uh, many in our children's ministry are going to be getting things ready for our vacation Bible school, our adult classes are going to take a week off. And we're going to hang out and enjoy, enjoy just uh, catching up with, with one another. So here's what we're going to be talking about today, real quick. We're going to talk about this guy named Moses. Now, the last time I kind of did an extensive lesson on Moses, my son was younger and uh, he, we were riding to church and he was like, Dad, what are you going to be talking about today? And I said, Moses. He said, I've already heard that. I'm bored. And we weren't even here. I mean, we hadn't even made it to the church building yet. And he was already bored in the back seat. So if you've already heard the story of Moses, all right, we're going to call him Mo. And you're going to act like you have never heard this story before. Now, Mo was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. And he led that flock to the far side of the wilderness. It says, now, Mo. Now, when you read that, you begin to think, all right, If now he's here, where was he? Well, before he was the prince of Egypt, before he was on top of the world, before he had been hidden in a basket, but now he was a shepherd of sheep. Now he was on the far side of the wilderness. Now he was hiding in Midian. And he's hiding in a place that is dry and and desolate. And he's gone there to escape punishment. Because Mo is a part of the people known as the Hebrews. And the Hebrews are in Egypt because if you were here last week and, and you heard the story of Joseph, you might remember that Joseph's brothers came to find help during a, a very difficult famine. Well, Joseph's brothers and their family end up staying in Egypt. And their family increases and increases and increases And until you look around and and everywhere you look, there is a descendant of of Joseph's family, of his father Jacob. And so they become mighty in the land of Egypt. And the Egyptians aren't real happy about this. And so they put the Israelites, these Hebrews, to work. And they put them into forced labor. And the Israelites begin crying out to God for, for help and for relief because conditions have gotten so bad. Well, Moses is one of these individuals, but he has been raised in the court of Pharaoh. So he is Hebrew, but he is also Egyptian. And one day he sees an Egyptian mistreating a fellow Hebrew, and he decides he has had enough that this kind of injustice should not be taking place. And he takes matters into his own hands, and he strikes down, and he kills the Egyptian. When what he has done is found out, he fears for his life. And so he retreats and he runs to this place called Midian. There he was taken in by a shepherd's family. He marries one of the shepherd's daughters. They have two children. And the name of the first child is very interesting. He names him Gershom. And the reason I think he did this is because Moses names him a name that in his own language sounds very similar to the word foreigner. Foreigner. And then Moses makes the statement, I become a foreigner in a foreign land. Before he was hidden in a basket, but now he's hiding away in Midian as a foreigner. Maybe you can relate to Mo. Before there was peace in your life. Before there was calm and, and understanding, there was, there was a knowledge that God's presence was, w- was with you. And no matter what took place, no matter what happened, whether it was with something on the job or whether it was with something with your children, everything, all the upheaval that might go on in the financial markets, there was a peace that you had. That peace that passed all understanding. You knew that God was the God of the universe and he had everything under his control. That was before. But now... Now you're just a bundle of anxiety. Now there's just so much uncertainty. Before you felt as if everything was under control. But now it feels like everything is spinning out of control. And you've gone on job interviews. And you've been to doctor visits. And and you've seen counselors. And there have just been so many changes that have been taking place in your life. It used to be where everything felt as if it was at peace. And now it feels as if everything is in pieces. Before your faith was strong. Before you trusted God with the smallest details of your life. Before you placed yourself on his altar and said, Lord, whatever it is that you desire, that's what I'm going to do to be used in your kingdom. That was before. And then came the doubts. Then came the oppressiveness of life. Then came the sin that entangles. And now you wonder if God can actually deliver Because you've prayed and you've prayed and instead of the circumstances improving, it seems as if things have just gotten worse in your life. Before there was faith that things were going to work out and things were going to be different. But now you just don't know. Before there was action and passion in your life. Before you knew what your purpose was and the direction in which you you were going You knew what you wanted in life, and you knew about your family, where you were taking them. And for many of you, it all revolved around God's kingdom, and God's vision, and and God's guidance, and God's provision, and direction. And you were on fire, and you couldn't wait to talk to other people about what was going on within your own spiritual life, what was taking place here within your church family. All the good that God was doing in your life. That was before, and now there's apathy. Apathy. It just seems like you just kind of go through the motions. The Bible studies that you used to lead, the, the Bible studies you used to encourage others to attend are just a memory. And personal Bible study, well, you haven't cracked your Bible in a long time. Your prayer life is dwindling. The time you spend with your Christian family is now very much hit or miss. Before there was action and passion and life, but now you're on the backside of the desert, hiding out in hoping no one finds you. You know, I know what that feels like to hide. It was 30 years ago this past spring that I stepped into the weight room at Lakeview Fort Oglethorpe High School. I was going to be a part of the varsity football team and I went in to begin my spring workouts to get ready for the fall. I, I think I've got a picture of what I looked like that day. <laughs> and I, I, I went in and... And all these other, all these other guys, they they had they had this bar that they were lying underneath with with all these big weights on each side, and and I thought, I don't know if I can do all of that, but I bet I could do one of those big weights on each side. And, and I can remember, man, like it was yesterday. I, I got on that bench and I laid down under that bar and, and I had two large weights on each side, and 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 I put my hands there and I watched all what the other guys did, and I was like, <laughs> And and my partner was like, you ready? And I'm like, you better believe it, I'm ready. (laughs) And he reached down and he pulled it off of me. And I got up off the bench in front of the rest of the football team. And I took all those big weights off. And I put on these little bitty weights on the end. And I sat down again to finish my workout and then the next day came and I found every reason in the world not to go get near that bench. I needed to go to the bathroom and and if the coaches needed somebody to run any kind of errand I wanted to do it and and I tried to find the biggest guys in the room and, and stand behind them so that I wouldn't be seen because everyone knows what it feels like to hide we hide from our responsibilities and we hide from opportunities we hide from friends and we hide from people at work we hide from our spouse and from our children we hide from a belief that that, that we have nothing of value we've been silent when we should have spoken up we we stood back when we should have stepped forward and for 40 years for 40 years Moses hides out in Midian That's a long time to hide. And yet some of you have been hiding even longer. Even if you think no one else can see, God knows exactly where you are. The text in Genesis chapter 3 says, the angel of the Lord appeared to mow in flames. There were flames all over this, this bush. Moses had no idea that day. It was just an ordinary day. He was taking care of his sheep. He was hiding, but that's how God works oftentimes. He speaks to ordinary people in ordinary ways, often in extraordinary ways. The bush wasn't remarkable, but what was remarkable was the fire that was burning on the inside. And that's often the method that God uses in the common, ordinary, everyday circumstances of our lives. He occasionally does something extraordinary and he burns a bush. Now sometimes we call these things coincidences. Now not every coincidence is God burning a bush in your life, but God might tap you on the shoulder occasionally in order to grab your attention. I remember the first time that I met Tanya. I just changed my major at Auburn and I walked into analytical chemistry and I looked across the room of 300 people, found somebody that I recognized, went and sat down beside them. She introduced me to her friend Tanya Waldrop. Like, well, great, nice to meet you. I went to my next class, and there was this Tanya Waldrop girl. I went to my next class, and there was this Tanya Waldrop girl. I went to my next class, and God was like, Would you finally talk to this woman? Sometimes God burns a bush. He doesn't shout from heaven. He uses his book, his spirit, his people. He uses events in our life, and through the blending of these events, he says, Would you just stop, and would you just look, and would you listen? So Mo thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, he called to him from within the bush. Now you need to understand, it was, not until, it was not until Mo turned aside that God spoke to him. In the Hebrew, in verse 4, literally it says, at the same time. So Moses, or I keep saying Moses, I do. You know why? Because I have heard this story over and over and over again. And I've heard it so often that I just say it without even thinking, right? And even for some of you right now, you've heard this story so many times that you've already zoned out. And you've already zoned out and you're wondering, what are we going to do for class and what are we going to do for our meal? It was at the same time that Mo looked and saw the bush that God spoke. Maybe you say in your own life right now, And this is why I'm trying to get your attention. Maybe you say, you know, I wish I just knew more about God's direction. But until you turn toward him, you are not going to know the way in which he desires for you to go. You see, there's some of us who just think that we can just go in any direction that we want to and that Eventually God's just going to slap us in the face one day and so we just live our life the way that we choose with no thought of him and we'll come to a service every once in a while participate in a Bible class maybe once a month or so but we're going to do our own thing our own way and then we wonder why God doesn't speak because we never turn we never open our Bible we never wonder why things turn out the way that they do it wasn't until, it wasn't until Mo turned aside that God spoke or maybe it is that we miss what God is doing right next to us He's burning a bush in your neighbor's yard. He's burning a bush in the middle of the business deal that you're involved in right now. He's burning a bush in the restaurant that you're going to go and be eating in in just a few moments. He's burning a bush on the ball fields where you play. And God is looking for someone, anyone, who will slow down long enough to check out the burning bush and see what it is that he's doing and respond, I'm here. I'm here. God says, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Holy means separated. God is saying, this is a separated place. And Mo, I want you to come out of hiding and separate yourself from your past and immediate responsibilities. I want you to give me your undivided attention. He says, take off your sandals. Don't let there be anything between you and you and this place between you and me. And if you've ever wondered how to be used by God and be of impact in the kingdom, here's the first thing. We must get rid of all the things in our lives that come between us and God. We rid the things that take time away from service and worship. We rid, get rid of things that take our mind off of his teachings. We get rid of those things that cause us to change our priorities. You see, if you're a child of God, then the Spirit of God lives within you, and daily you stand on holy ground. So turn off the computer and put down the phone and walk away from that relationship if you have to. Do not let anything come between you and your God because you stand on holy ground. And He's trying to get your attention because He wants to use you as His ambassador to move others closer in a life restoring relationship with Jesus Christ he says I am the God of your father the God of Abraham the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob he says I'm the God of hiders I'm the God of hiders and they're beginning in verse 7 of chapter 3 God begins to tell Mo all that has been going on in Egypt and all the things that he has seen and Mo is probably like well yeah I know I've I've been there. I've done that. And I tried to do something about it. He was totally unprepared then for what God was going to say next in verse 10. God says, so now, now that you've been hiding, now that you're a shepherd of the sheep, now that you're a desert dweller, go. I am sending you to bring my people out of Egypt see before God can lead his people out he has to lead Mo out he has to call him out of hiding now real quick as we start to close out let, let me give you two common mistakes that hiders make you see we either retreat or we resist we retreat because we failed and we have this built up insecurity. Mo's going to ask God, he goes, who, who am I that I should go and do this for you? And, and we've got individuals who are here, a part of our church family, who have crashed and burned. Your marriage failed, you're, you're, you were fired from your job, your passions have gotten the best of you in the past. But whoever said you had to succeed at everything you attempt in order to be used by God? That's a standard that's set by man, not by God. In fact, our failures were anticipated. When you read Paul's words to the church in Rome, he will say that it was in the midst of our sin that God sent Jesus. God understands that we fail and make mistakes, that we have sin-filled lives. But the fear of failure keeps us on the backside of the desert where we never have to take chances, where we never have to be vulnerable, where we never have to live by faith, we never have to feel anything. We just get to come to church. miss opportunities. We miss opportunities to burn brightly for God. Can I encourage you, if that's you this morning, if you've been the one who said, you know what? I've just retreated and and I've, I've gone backwards because of the failure that's been in my life. Can I encourage you to move forward this morning just a step? You don't have to make it all the way back today. But could you at least take one step closer to God? maybe you're, you're not a retreater. Maybe you're just a resister. You say, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Maybe maybe once I'm married, I'll be ready. Maybe once I finish school, I'll be ready. Maybe, maybe after I get out of the job, I'll be ready. Maybe once I finish this current ministry, that I'm going to be ready. I remember the advice that I got years ago. It was just after Tanya and I had married, and we had been married for just a little over a year, and a nice gentleman, one of the deacons at church, came up and said, So, when are you guys going to have kids? And I was like, Whoa, we're not ready for that. And he was like, You are never ready for that, my brother. <laughs> and, and, and let me get an amen from all the parents out there, right? <laughs> you, you know this in your own life. You, you're never ready. You weren't ready to get married. You weren't ready for that first job. You weren't ready for that first ministry you were involved in. You definitely weren't ready for those kids. Some of you said, you know, I'm just not worthy. I'm not worthy. Because man, I've seen some giants in the faith and I've seen how that they've served God and I know the trips that they go on and I know the Bible studies that they teach and I know the way that they are involved and I know the way in which they lead God's people and I am just not worthy. And God says, I'd like to make you worthy. He said, I would like to use you just the way that I'm using them because guess what? None of them were ready when I called them either. And maybe, and I've heard this one and so I just want to throw it out there today. I've had people who who I've heard resist the call of God who have missed the burning bushes because they said, well, you know, I'm, I'm just not a man. Can I share with you Micah 6 and verse 4? Where God speaking to the prophet says, I brought you from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from that place of slavery, and I sent Moses and Aaron and Miriam to lead you. Service to God is not segregated by age or race or gender. God calls followers, old and young, black, brown, and white, male and female. So be a Moses or be a Miriam. Just don't resist God's invitation to make an impact in his name. Because God has a way of asking ordinary people to engage in acts of extraordinary trust. And yes, he has this habit of asking people to do things that scare them to death. And he places them in situations that expose their weakness so that his strength can be revealed. It's why he told Moses, I'm going to be with you. Because God has never called anyone to a task or an opportunity or another station in life, another level of spirituality where he has not promised to be there every step of the way. So church, why are you hiding? Who are you hiding from? There are bushes burning all around you. God is lighting up this city. God is lighting up your neighborhood. God is lighting up your place of business. God is lighting up your family. And he's just waiting for a man, woman, for a child to turn and to see what he's doing. And say, I want to be involved in that. I want to. God wants you to be involved in what he's already doing. So, what do you need to do in order to answer God's call? What mission is God calling you to be a part of? You know, when I was a kid, I played hide and seek a lot. And I was a pretty good hider because I wanted to win, I didn't want to be found. I wanted to be the one that at the very end came out and was like, nobody found me. And everybody's asking, where did you hide? You, that was awesome. You were gone for three hours. And I'm like, I know. It was awesome. Come out dehydrated. I would, that would, I would lose weight playing hide and go seek. But when everybody else had been found and you couldn't find that last one, and there was somebody that would go around and go, Ollie, olly, alley, oxen free! And it meant that you could come in without penalty. It meant that if you were still out, you could come in. And so why don't you do that today? Why don't you answer the call of God In your life, and come in. Come back. Come home. Come to God and be the ambassador that He's called you to be. Be the one that is going to take others closer in their walk with Jesus Christ. Be the one who's going to stand up. Be the one who is going to stand out. Be the one who is going to be used by God in extraordinary ways. Forget about the insecurity. Forget about the fact that you've resisted before. Forget about the fact that there have been those times where where you have felt unworthy and that you couldn't be used. Today is a new day. And through the cross of Jesus Christ, God calls for all to hear. Olly, Ali, oxen free. All who are out can come in. So why don't you do that this morning as we stand and give God praise.